0: Welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I'm Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Today's episode is definitely going to be something of a journey together, um, and it might cause a little bit of extra... uh, striving for unity it might be a little little more of a struggle for unity maybe uh, for some people who are tuning in. I don't know. Um, this is somewhat of a, you know, work in progress kind of coming together as we are discussing it. but we wanted to in a in a big picture sense, talk about why do we think some people might, be pushed or feel a tension in and and thus desire to leave evangelicalism? What might cause someone to want to leave the evangelical expression of Christianity here in the States, at least? Um, I feel like, and maybe this is not the case for some of you listening, but I feel like between, you know, ex-evangelicals and uh, people converting to other traditions like like Rome or the East or people just completely leaving the faith altogether it doesn't seem particularly with regard to like evangelical celebrities in recent couple years maybe um, leaving evangelicalism or an evangelical leaving doesn't seem like a very uncommon sort of um, event right and again, that's been my experience, uh, just just as an observer over the last couple of years, especially. Um, you know, a a bit. There was a brief period of time where the ex evangelical thing was like everyone was talking about it in podcasts and online and stuff. So um, maybe this is something that's died down, or our priorities have shifted, or, or or maybe not. But in my experience, the idea of and you know, I mean, this is true of any group or tradition or religion. But certainly within the the world of evangelicalism, there are, um, you know, good numbers of people leaving. And I think often it's it's those of the the younger generations, or perhaps those of the younger generations are the ones who are the most concerned or the most maybe uh, questioning of, of why or maybe interested in working towards solutions to problems that are raised by these sorts of things. Obviously, when when a celebrity leaves or apostatizes or converts, like that's going to cause a lot of stir because they're famous. Um, but the same thing is true on the individual scale for every person who leaves or converts or whatever, um, even if they don't you know, make headlines because they're just, God forbid, a normal person who, you know we don't all know their names or whatever. Um, obviously, this is a big question, and, and this is the kind of question that you might expect to, you know, address in a sociology study or something like that. Obviously, that's not what we're doing today. We are more thinking through It's a little more real-time than some of our episodes, I think. <laughs> we're we're, a, little we're a little more interested in thinking through as two people who more or less grew up in evangelical Christianity, more or less have continued to exist, you know, in terms of schooling and our online social lives and our real-life social lives and our church lives, Um, more or less, you know, continuing to exist in and around the evangelical world. I think it would be safe to say that's how I would describe both of us. I, I think... You'd probably agree with me that that more or less describes you, Jensen. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, based on, on that that being sort of where we've come from or where we are in, in some ways, at least some aspects of it, um, thinking through from that standpoint, based on our experiences, those of people we've talked to, what we've seen um, in our personal lives, as well as just in the more uh, public evangelical world, what... Why? Why do people leave? Right, and and when we say leave, we're we're referring to evangelicalism. So this that would include people who completely abandon the faith, those who you know opt for a, a, a different standard of faith or expression of the faith, whether that's um, you know maybe a, a more mainline Protestant progressive denomination, or or uh, like I mentioned before, going to Rome or, or a different tradition, um, uh, or Whatever the case may be, um, we're not so much interested in where people are leaving f- for so much as what are our thoughts. And again, we want to be very clear on the on the outset that we're talking about our thoughts because um, we're trying to hash these these thoughts out. And we this is a great plug for engaging with us on social media. This is the exact kind of conversation where we'd love to hear other people's perspectives, particularly those who come from different backgrounds than our own, um, who have a broader view than just what we have on our own. We can come together and and talk about it. But anyway,
1: especially if you've left evangelicalism, like what was true? What led you to that decision? That's true. So
0: yeah, I don't know. I've talked for way too long on the intro. (laughs) I always like it when you do the, the intros better because we don't end up six and a half minutes in without really saying anything. But what do you think? Like, like, if someone—I don't know why this would happen—but if someone came up to you on the street and said, "Why do people? Why do you think people leave evangelicalism?" What, what are sort of some of your, either your first thoughts or maybe the the things that you think might be might be significant in answering that question? Why would somebody want to leave evangelicalism?
1: Yeah, and the. <laughs> The reasons are many. There, You can't just single out one. Uh, in our 21st century, you know, the year right now, it depends on when you're listening to this, but right now, as we're sitting here, it is the end of June 2021. Um, there are a whole bunch of issues that are sort of at the the forefront of our, our social consciousness. We're, uh, you know, only a year removed from things like George Floyd's death and uh, protests last summer and living through a coronavirus and the list can go on and on really there there are so many things that uh, are just problematic you know with racism um, justice issues um, issues on uh, women and uh, this this you know isn't even mentioning things like uh, you know mega church ministries and failing pastors like Mark Driscoll and James McDonald and um, I think you mentioned pastors who have sort of left the faith like Josh Harris I I believe is his name the I Kissed Dating Goodbye guy um, so when you just like look out at the broad American evangelical landscape it's not difficult to to notice the problems um, especially. <laughs> Again, we're in 2021, only five or six months removed from a presidential election uh, where a new president uh, was brought into office and we had, you know, people storm our, our nation's capital and we had a, a very hostile, very divided political season, you know, where it's Republicans and Democrats and, and even people within churches, within families are, are coming into conflict and you have pastors talking about these things from the pulpit Um other weekends, like this coming weekend, I believe, if I've uh, been following social media correctly, is um, uh, Freedom Sunday down in, in Dallas, is it? The the First Baptist Church or whatever, where Robert Jeffries is pastor. Um, and I'm sure Robert Jeffries would consider himself an evangelical. Uh, but what's problematic about something like a Freedom Sunday and, and having a political church service? Um, again, these are just a couple of the things that I can see and perceive out in the general culture. Um, however, somebody that I follow on Twitter actually recently asked, um, what are, in your opinion, in your experience, um, our problems within evangelicalism. And I'll just read a couple on this thread. There's literally like 3000 replies. I'm not going to read all 3000, but, um, church leaders preaching one thing, but doing another also teaching congregations, um, white American nationalism as though that's what Jesus would do. Uh, The Jesus of the Bible is very different from American Jesus. Um, Someone else says pain. Nearly all I've seen um, have suffered some sort of pain or suffering, particularly from a close relationship. Um, Another person said the inability to rationally harmonize things I believe with what I was experiencing in the world. Um, Yeah, let's see. I mean, other people mentioning things like um, challenging uh, established paradigms. So, uh, you know, you encounter people that are of the LGBTQ community. Uh, how do you have relationships with those people? How do you love those people? Um, especially when it seems like, uh, there are so many evangelicals who will throw, um, sort of throw them out into the, you know, the, the world. Uh, they're not really, I guess what I'm trying to, what this person's trying to communicate as I'm reading this is that a lot of people don't Think that people of that community can can belong to the church. Um, other people just plainly say hypocrisy, uh, whether it's of of congregants or or leaders of the church. But I think you kind of get the point. It's it's not that difficult to look out into the world, uh, look out at the the church landscape, and to see all of these issues sort of uh, sort of front and center. And the fact of the matter is. Our churches do have problems. I mean, that's going to be true of any church in any time throughout history. There are are problems in churches. Uh, Think about the first century. Part of Revelation is literally Jesus' letters to different churches, whether it's Philadelphia or uh, I'm blanking on any of the other six or seven churches or whatever. But he was writing addressing very specific issues in specific churches. Uh, that's also literally what every single letter that was written in the New Testament is about. Paul is writing to address issues, or um, that's like what he was doing. You know, whether it was uh, issues over the Lord's Supper, some people not getting anything while other people are getting, um, you know, overeating and, and over drinking, uh, whether it's addressing issues of how spiritual gifts are used, whatever it is we can at least say that the church is always going to have problems. It always has, it is, and always will. Um, And so it's not, we we can't just explain it away. We can't just wish it away. Um, And so what, at least when I was thinking about this episode, um, what I wanted it to be was just a a healthy self-examination. What are things that I believe? What are things that I have believed? What are things that I've done uh, that have contributed to people leaving Especially evangelical spaces. Again, whether that's for um, no faith or some other version of the Christian faith. Uh, when I, when I was a youth pastor, for example, I used to always just like stew over the fact that something like, and the numbers fluctuate from year to year, but like something like seventy five percent of um, youth group students leave the faith after they go out from high school. Um, So I'm guessing that most of those people could be categorized as mildly evangelical. So why is it that 75% of evangelical students walk away from the church or walk away from the faith? Um, I think it would be uncharitable to say it's because uh, they went to a philosophy class and they they went out into the world and encountered new worldviews and they had their minds suddenly changed. Like... Maybe some people that's the case. Like maybe some people really did just have a really eye-opening philosophy class in college and it caused them to want to walk away from their faith. But if we're really afraid of some philosophy professor and what he might teach, then we really don't have a very solid foundation if all it took was one philosophy class to to ruin an entire person's um, faith that they've had. Uh, I actually saw somebody tweet recently that the... One of the largest contributing reasons for people walking away from the faith is because they want to have sex. Again, like that's just not, that just seems uncharitable too. It seems a little disingenuous to think that, you know, people just want to go out and, and have sex and so they're going to leave the faith because of that. Um, there, again, people recognize that there is a problem, they're seeking to um, diagnose that problem to correct that problem. And some people do it well, some people do it poorly. Uh, but at the end of the day, much of American Protestant evangelicalism can be categorized as being a mile wide and an inch deep. Whether that's theologically, whether that's historically, whether that's its its rootedness. Uh, but so many of our churches are, um, I guess, lacking, um, not doing well in... What it means to be living as a, a a biblical community, and I know that's a very probably harsh generalization, but when we when we look at the New Testament, when we look at the early church and what it meant to be the body of Christ, so often and many times we are not reflecting that and enacting that in in actuality today. Um, whether it's uh, you know in how we treat people, whether it's in um, our discourse, or whether it's just in the fact that, like in 21st century, especially America, the church is more or less just like I go to on Sunday mornings. I do my little, my little church, and then the rest of the week it's just me, Jesus, and my Bible. If that, if it's not just me and my phone and whatever else I'm doing. Um, so that that's kind of what I'm trying to communicate is there. There, there's just so much competing in our minds, so much compete competing in our hearts. Um, and it all plays into why that why there are problems in evangelicalism. So now that I've rambled for about t- 10 minutes or whatever, I'm curious what you think, what you want to interject, yeah. where you might disagree.
0: I think I think on some level that is probably the most honest way to sort of leave it. You know, we're not going to leave it there because of course we like to hear ourselves talk too much. But in some ways I think that is a fairly honest way to leave it is that um, life is really, really hard, and the faith is difficult, and human beings are fallen. And that doesn't even begin to comment on the challenges that we face just as humans living in the world. Like, just within the church, those things are true. Um, so it's complicated. It's not easy to to live a faithful Christian life, just full stop. doesn't matter where you are or when you are, that's not an easy thing to do in in the best of circumstances, let alone challenging circumstances when it comes to things going on in your culture or uh, personal failings of those in, in, in your church, things like that. And at the end of the day, there are, like you said, a bajillion trillion infinite reasons why any person might be led to leave uh, an evangelical church or or an evangelical expression of Christianity and th- those are all legitimate reasons in the sense that they all happen you know some people leave for reasons that are maybe less significant than other people but like they all do happen all these infinite reasons there are people who it's very painful and stupid to say but I'm sure there are people who have left the church over the last election cycle which is just the most mind numbingly ridiculous thing to say out loud but I'm sure it's true and the reason I'm sure it's true is just because of how conversations within and without of the church went during that you know six months or whatever that that things are really ramped up So all of that is a little bit of just like okay yes life is hard people get overwhelmed bad things happen people fail they get betrayed what happens then they leave okay. That's true and all, and I think that we don't need to ignore all of that or minimize all that, but we can maybe set that aside because that's going to be true, like you said, in, in any church in any age, we're going to have those problems. You you look around and you feel like evangelicalism has its problems, so you convert to Rome. Well, okay, you've left those problems, and now you've got whatever problems Rome has, which a lot of them are going to be the same, and a lot of them are going to be different, but you're still going to have problems. Like, that's not... Uh, it's not realistic to, to think that there's something special about evangelical Christianity that makes it uh, have problems or whatever. But I do think, one thing you said, uh, uh, you know, like you said, maybe this is an overgeneralization. I'm sure it is. I know in my experience there are exceptions. Um, by and large, evangelicalism is quite often a rather shallow expression of, of Christianity. And... I think that ultimately that is sort of the the root of the problem. I think that there's something bigger than some bad guys get a bunch of people to follow them and start a megachurch and then they have some personal failing that comes out and causes damage to the church's reputation and damage to the individuals involved, you know, like a Mark Driscoll or whatever that that's that's a problem. But I think there's something deeper than that, right? Um, I think there's something more intrinsic to evangelicalism itself that causes some of the problems that end up causing people to leave evangelicalism specifically. And, and this, I do think, we can say is unique to evangelicalism in the sense that the way that evangelicalism is at its, at its core, at its foundation, I think causes unique challenges to people that you wouldn't find in other traditions just because they have their own unique challenges and issues uh, inherent to them. And I think we've mentioned this before on the show. Something that I'm a really big fan of in terms of defining evangelicalism is something called Bebbington's Quadrilateral. David Bebbington is a historian, um, and, and he, put to, he basically put together these four characteristics or emphases that characterize evangelical christianity as opposed to other kinds of christianity so there's conversionism and and so these are his definitions of each of these terms conversionism is the belief that lives need to be changed activism is the expression of the gospel in effort biblicism is a particular regard for the bible and crucicentrism is a stress on the sacrifice of christ on the cross so cruci like cross centrism um I'm a big fan of this breakdown of evangelicalism. I find it just experientially in my own growing up and, and everything, I, I find it to be very um concise but accurate way of sort of defining what makes someone an evangelical, because an evangelical is not a single, you know, denomination or a single uh, you know, statement of faith or whatever. It's more of a it, it's more of an expression. Um, within you know and across denominational lines so um i think the problems that that cause people to break with evangelicalism um have more to do with with this character of evangelicalism itself than anything else um i before i get into this i I don't want to sound like i'm bashing evangelicalism or any particular evangelicals um Without evangelicalism, I would not be a Christian. I would not be here doing this. You know, my life would be radically different. Um, And there's, I have no desire to change that. (laughs) Uh, Evangelicals have been some of the most important voices in my life. And certainly in terms of those that I've known personally, um, the most influential. And uh, there's, there's a lot with evangelicalism that, nobody should want to cast aside or disregard, right? Um, and I also want to say that these four emphases are, are not necessarily bad, on, like taken on their own, especially in the way that Bebbington defines them. They're, they're very non-offensive sort of uh, things to focus on. However, what I do want to say is that in the U.S. at least, these emphases manifest in certain ways which... I think inevitably is pushing Christians, especially younger Christians, out of evangelicalism. So I'll hopefully real quickly run through these four things to kind of summarize the way that I see them contributing to these issues and contributing to the desire to leave evangelicalism in search of something else. I think that a focus on conversionism can or does neglect the lifelong formation from cradle to grave of the church and the way that God uses the means of grace, the word, the sacraments, uh, the, the community of faith, his, his, his creation, um, those means of grace are constantly shaping us and forming us throughout our entire lives. It's not just this one-time thing. And the problem is, I, then I'm looking back. Did I really believe? Was that a real conversion? Or am I just going to be like those people in Jonathan Edwards' church and just give up in a year or two? And then you're, you you've constantly got this, did I believe strong enough or did I believe right enough or did I have enough faith? And suddenly we're talking about a workspace salvation, right? It's not about whether or not you believe, you know, good enough. It's about Jesus, right? <laughs> um, and I think that conversionism leads to those sorts of problems uh, because it's an, it's an overly narrow focus on, on salvation. It's an overly narrow way of defining, quote unquote, salvation, Um, And I think that it's, it's extremely common, it's extremely definitional of evangelicals to look at salvation in this very narrow, single experience, one point in time kind of way at the expense of the other pieces of salvation, right? I'm not saying that you don't have a moment where you get it, a moment where Christ seizes your heart. But if you don't, that's also, you know, perfectly good as well. Because we we see a much uh, wider view, I think, in Scripture and history of how God works in people's hearts. Right. Secondly, is activism. I think this is probably the least problematic of these four in terms of contributing to people's uh, you know dissatisfaction with evangelicalism, especially younger like millennials, Gen Z. Those generations are, I think, at least to me, they it seems like kids of those age people of those generations are much more eager to be involved in something really tangible and significant that takes their time and their energy and actually like, you know, contributes to something. Um, however, the, 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 the sort of downside of this is like, I think we have to ask what is the activism that is being favored. Right. And, And I think if we look at just as, just as one example, the, the, the way that so many evangelicals have become just entangled with American politics, and that's become their identity, is how they relate to the political world of this country. Um, that's, not, that's not, as Bebbington says, the expression of the gospel in effort, right? That's just, that's just doing stuff and slapping Christian on it, and then it doesn't really contribute to anything uh, for the kingdom, you know what I mean? Well, not for the kingdom, at least um uh biblicism i think Bevington is maybe a little polite when he says a particular regard for the bible i think a lot of times it's more than that um we we've i think we've probably thrown around terms like solo scriptura versus solo scriptura or you know scripture alone versus like naked scripture um and a lot of times at least for me it seems like in the name of biblical fidelity there will be key aspects of the faith that are just thrown out or completely ignored, for for this in exchange for this this very raw biblicism. Like I like the term biblicism because it it, it biblicism, right? It, it's it's not just that the Bible is the supreme authority that God has given the church, which it is, but it becomes more than that. Where uh, the letter of my you know the, the the extreme version of this would be like KJV onlyism where it's, it's the words of my Bible interpreted the way that I interpret it are literally the only thing that God has to say to us, right? Um, and I think with biblicism, not, not just the more like <laughs> crazy KJV only types, um, but, but just in a broader sense, I think that this gives way or at least opens the door to a kind of legalism that often creeps in. Where we have this very literalistic mindset in how we approach the text that is used to measure how we're living our lives or how we're doing faith or whatever that might not always be the best interpretation or might not be an issue that requires, you know, a church split or whatever. But we're we're so hyper-focused on what we think the Bible says or how we think the Bible is speaking to us. And... By being so hyper-focused, I think we miss things. We miss things in tradition that can help to clarify our own challenges as we're trying to interpret and apply the Bible in our own lives, right? And, and you know, I, I'm not disparaging the Bible. <laughs> I Don't mishear me. Um, and then finally, crucicentrism, I think, can neglect the rest of Christ's work, right? There's more to Christ saving us, Christ, what Christ does that saves us. There's more to it than the cross. The cross is sort of the 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 culmination of 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 one of the ways that Christ saves us by paying our paying our penalty, being our sacrifice. But there's more to what He does in uh, the gift of His incarnation itself. He saves us by His incarnation. He saves us by His birth, by His life, His miracles. Not, and his death and his, resur- his, his descent, his, his resurrection and his ascension. And, and we, we, I think there is, this is going to sound crazy, but I think there is such a thing as too much focus on Christ on the cross if it means we're ignoring all of the other things he's done for us. For right? sure. Um, because the Gospels are not a record of his crucifixion. They're a record of his life and his death and his resurrection right they're 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 not ignoring one thing for another when it comes to christ's saving work right um and, and not just the gospels the whole bible but you get what i'm saying so i think in a lot of ways what i've just sort of said might be shocking depending on how it's taken and depending if i've done a good job of explaining where i'm coming from but I I honestly do believe like, and I think some of my, some of my, you know, discussions I've had with some seminary friends has made me realize like, this is perhaps a a hotter take than I thought it was, (laughs) but I, I have big issues with evangelicalism, like at, like at its core, what it really seems is the historical, uh, movement and expression of the faith that we call evangelicalism. Um, for all of the love that I have for what evangelicalism has done for the world and has done for my own life and my own faith and, and me as a person um, and all the evangelicals that I know and love and have known and loved and know from history and love and, and respect greatly who are, who are uh, you know, saints that God has used mightily, all of that is true. And I don't think that evangelicalism gives me enough to be a Christian. The way, the way that God has called me to be a Christian. And I'm not saying that you need to leave your evangelical church for something else or you need to uh, stop reading books that are written by evangelicals or whatever. But, but what I am saying is I think there's something deeper than what evangelicalism has to offer because I think these four you know, planks of evangelicalism are basically right. And I think that they lead to certain limitations, that mile-wide, inch-deep thing, that can only be overcome if if we look a little broader or a lot broader, maybe, I don't know, than, um, than just the evangelical bubble that we can sometimes get caught up in, right, as evangelicals. And I, I've even gotten to the point, and this is where I, I might invite the ire of some people, and, and I'm sorry if this is offensive, but I've even gotten to the point where, where I, I'm quite comfortable not identifying as an evangelical. And this has no uh no, no no commentary on my any of the churches I've been a part of, any of the denominations I've been a part of uh the schools I've been to or I'm going to like th- like this is very much just a personal thing where i, I I'm less likely to, to view myself as an evangelical than I am a Christian who is striving to be rooted in the entire tradition of of the church which is broader than evangelical it includes evangelical by all means I, I'm not trying to cast aside my history or anything but but what i am saying is i want i want more you know i want i want more of jesus and i think the best way to do that ultimately is to to not be limited to what evangelicalism has to offer and i think it's because of those four things that those limitations um in my own experience were seemed to be holding me back right um and I, I think there's there's more out there that, that God has for us that is not hidden, but it, it can be hidden if we're too focused on our own camp. And I think that's a that's a temptation that is especially true for evangelicals who are used to being—isolated um, is a strong word, but um, I don't know. If, if you know what I'm trying to get at, maybe you can help me out with a word. But But, you know, like— evangelicalism is is kind of its own thing you know right, Um, in a way that other people in other traditions don't necessarily sort of carry themselves which I'm not saying is good or bad I'm saying it's a reality that at times in my own experience definitely leads to a limitation that I just think puts an undue hindrance on spiritual growth and uh in my own studies, I, I discovered a whole world beyond the horizon of evangelicalism that I realized God has given us. And, 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 you know, I don't know, this is getting wonky at this point. No, it's all been really that. good. But I, I, I feel like, I feel like the problems that happen, not all the time, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that if, if, you know, X or Y abusive pastor, were just not an evangelical, then they wouldn't have abused people. I don't think that's true at all. I think uh, I think that the problems that occur in the church are, are, are bigger than that. You know, it's not so simple. Like, like I think we tried to say at the beginning, it's not like we just have to find the right church to convert to and then all our problems are going to go away. That's just not true and that's insane to attempt to do, and you're just going to be disappointed and hurt more. Um, but there are problems that hurt people. There are problems that damage the reputation of the church and the gospel. There are problems that might not feel like problems, but but I think that they limit us in our vision of God and our vision of the church. And ultimately, I think that going beyond evangelicalism helps to correct those, those, those issues that are more at the core at the foundation that leads to some of the more bad fruit that we see all the time (laughs) that um, that's that the bad fruit is always going to be there. But when there are deeper issues, I think it's worth looking at whether or not you believe those are issues. And for me, I did. And I, and I started rethinking my faith in light of um, a broader view of church history and, and historical theology. And that has, led me to the point where I'm I'm comfortable sort of being beyond the boundaries of evangelical because I, I don't think God is contained in those boundaries, right? And I'm not saying anybody says that, but um, I don't and know. I think
1: sometimes we operate as though that were true, especially for evangelicals who don't have that great of a knowledge of what lies outside of their tradition. It can sometimes seem like, oh, well, that's Eastern Orthodox. That's a little weird. It's not how I do it, so it must not be right. Even if we don't say that, it's sort of how we operate. I think that's a fair assessment. But yeah, this has been this has been really good, and and I don't know. I the way that I approached it, it wasn't the same way that you did, but that's certainly like okay, because I think at the end of the day, what we're leaving you with, listeners, is um, the next step in a conversation, whether it's with us or with somebody else. Um, when the next time you're talking about. These issues that seem to be so prevalent and so persistent, um, maybe there's something festering below the surface that is um, more problematic. Or uh, maybe you have completely different ideas of your own, but you're going to be the next step in um, good and tangible and practical change. Who knows? Like we, we're we're just two guys who who want to talk about um, God, want to talk about Christ, want to talk about theology and. Not just for the sake of doing those things, but to, to grow, to mature, to deepen our own faith, uh, to love our Savior more, to love his people more, to love the world more. Um, so the the more that we can get outside of our narrow, very focused worldview, I think the more charitable, the more gracious we will be in conversation and in relationships. So um, if nothing else is to be said, we will close with a word of prayer. All right. Uh, So I feel like we haven't prayed out of the Valley of Vision for a while. Um, So this is called Fullness. If you have a Valley of Vision, it's on page 302. Uh, We've never mentioned page numbers, but if you're wondering where we're praying from, page 302. It says, Heavenly Father, thou hast revealed to me myself a mass of sin and thyself as a fullness of goodness with strength enough to scour me, wisdom enough to guide me, mercy enough to quicken me, love enough to satisfy me. Thou hast shown me that because thou art mine. I can live by thy life, be strong in thy strength, be guided by thy wisdom, and so I can pitch my thoughts and heart in thee. This is the exchange of wonderful love, for me to have thee for myself, for thee to have me and to give me thyself. There is in thee all fullness of the good that I need, and the fullness of all grace to draw me to thyself. Who else? Could never have come. But having come, I cleave to thee. I'm knit to thee, always seeking thee. There is none all good as thou art. With thee I can live without other things, for thou art God all sufficient, and the glory, peace, rest, and joy of the world is a creaturely perishing thing in comparison to with thee. Help me to know that he who hopes for nothing but thee, uh, and for all things, only for thee, hopes truly that I must place all my happiness in holiness if I hope to be filled with all grace. Convince me that I can have no peace at death. Wait, convince me that I can have no peace at death nor hope that I should go to Christ unless I intend to do his will and I have his fullness while I live. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for taking part in this conversation
0: and tuning in to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast, or uh, you can shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear feedback or questions, especially um, some of the things we talked about today, I think, is, is like we said, just especially true that we'd love, we'd love feedback. Um, love to hear different perspectives and Uh, we're always open for future episode suggestions and and all that kind of stuff Um, whatever's on your mind we are available and we'd love to hear from you so until next time we'll see you